Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Journey of Faith. My name is Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. Uh, We're a multi-campus church, which means we're one church in more than one location. So I want to say hi to everybody at our Torrance campus right now uh, over on Lomita Boulevard. Great that we can be together at this point in the service together. Also, big hi to everybody that's watching online. If you're new with us, maybe you're coming back after being with us for Easter. If this is your uh, time coming right back after Easter, welcome back. Great that you're here. Glad we can be together. Really excited. We're starting our four-week message series called Faith Under Construction. And the idea behind this series is sometimes we think of our faith or our belief system as something that is clear and complete, and you either have it or you don't. But that's not how Jesus talked about faith. Jesus talked about faith as a journey, as a process, and he even described it like building a house or building a building. And like any construction project, we can have the highs, like, oh, this is going well, everything's going smoothly. Or we can have the lows, where there's setbacks, problems that come up, and we go, I didn't expect us to run into this. So what we're doing in this series is, for these four weeks, we're going to look at the teachings of Jesus, as well as some of Jesus' followers who were like his apprentices in building faith, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about how we can build or rebuild or continue building our faith. And there might be some of you that have had faith since you were a child, and it has just continued to grow. Others of you, you might be going through a time of rebuilding. Others of you, maybe you, you don't necessarily even have a faith uh, and, or don't know what you believe, and that's why you're here, and it's so great. We're going to do that process together. Let me start off by sharing, you, sharing with you a story about uh, the home that my family and I moved into about, about six years ago. So we found this home a, as a pocket listing. It was somebody that just wanted to sell quickly and, and get out, so the, it was a good offer. And uh, we went through a quick inspection period, quick uh, escrow period, and then we got the house and we moved in and he left. And when I say left, he uh, went off the grid, uh, never to be heard from again, and we started figuring out why. So he had done a lot of the work himself on the home. Now we went through the inspection, everything looked fine, but we knew we had to work on some things. We got some of this stuff done, and we were finishing up, and uh, we were painting the inside of the house. We painted the ceiling, and every time we painted it, we saw some spots coming through, and we were like, oh, no, there's something wrong with the roof. Now, he had said he'd gotten a new roof put on. What he didn't tell us is he put the roof on himself, and it passed the inspection. But here's what I learned six years ago about roofs. Um, Good ventilation is a big deal. So when you're putting on a roof, you, you have like the structure of the roof, and then you have the top where the shingles are. And in between, you have to have space for air to go through. And if you don't have air going through that space, you get things like mold or worse yet, dry rot. Well, we got up and uh, got up on the roof, and my friend who was helping us with a lot of stuff, he said, let's pull some stuff up. We pulled up to the roof, dry rot all over the place. The roof was just barely holding on. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, this was May 1st, and coming up May 6th was a severe weather warning, which was very similar this year to what we just had with thunderstorms and hail and everything like that. We had six days to work on this thing, and here's a picture from May 1st of us tearing the roof all off, 
and starting from scratch, having to build that thing all over again. Now, good news, we got it done, and it was thoroughly tested by Mother Nature. So the the wind came, and the storms, and the wind blew, and the storms hit it, and it stayed up. This is an apt metaphor for the spiritual life. Because what we experienced, the problem we experienced is someone had done construction without an expert. And the construction was deconstructing within, and they didn't even know. Faith is a lot like that. We build our faith and we grow in faith, but if we don't have a solid foundation, if the structure is not assembled well with the consultation of an expert, it will not hold up to the storms of life. And what are the storms of life? It's when you're dealing with those problems at work. It's when you have conflicts or loss in your family. It's when you don't get into that school or those people that are your teachers or your friends, it's not working for you. It's when your marriage is in a crisis. It's when you're struggling with your parenting or with your parents. It's when you hit a health crisis or you have mental wellness issues Or sometimes, because of what's going on in culture or our circumstances, we lean into our belief system, which worked at some point, but we're like, given the circumstances, I don't know if I can weather this. It's at those points where we need to say, how can I go to an expert builder to build or rebuild or reconstruct my faith? And it starts with the firm foundation, with the solid foundation. That's what we're going to talk about today. Here's our main idea. We can lay a strong foundation for our faith. Here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at a a small section of the Bible from Jesus' words about this topic. Here's where we can find it in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. And This, what we're going to read, takes place after Jesus has taught some of his basic principles about living the spiritual life. It is an amazing section, and I'll refer to it a little bit later and invite you to read it for yourself this week. But he talks about all these different elements of the spiritual life. And after he teaches all these things, this is how he closes his teaching. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, that house of faith, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Then he goes to the other side, he says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house it will collapse with a mighty crash so jesus uses this construction metaphor 
to describe how we should lay a solid foundation for building a faith that will really last. And let me share with you three things that I picked up from what Jesus is talking about, about what's involved with laying a a firm, a solid foundation. Here's the first one. Humbly trust the expert, that's Jesus, not yourself. We live in a DIY culture, which is great, totally matches our, our American lifestyle of I'll do it by myself. If you've got anything that needs to be fixed, you can just go on YouTube, watch a video, maybe go down to Home Depot for those demonstrations, figure out how they do it, then you buy the stuff, you go home, do it yourself. But all of that is dependent on who you're watching on YouTube. Does this person actually know what they're talking about? Are they an expert? Do they know how to instruct me? Jesus is like, when it comes to your faith, you can do it yourself, but let me be the expert to help guide you on how to build this life of faith. Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. But that idea of listening to Jesus and going back to Jesus as the expert, that requires a very important character quality. It's this, humility. When I was a kid, I liked building forts. How many of you as little kids like building forts, right? Out of the sofa cushions and your blankets and and whatever you could do, right? Building forts is awesome. You know why I think building forts is awesome? Is because you get to build it yourself and then you get to make up the rules that are inside it and who gets in and what's allowed and all that kind of stuff like that. Somebody that was really good at building forts was my dad. So my dad's My dad was an engineer type, really thoughtful, very strategic, very artistic. When we lived in an apartment uh, over here in Redondo Beach, my dad wanted to build a clubhouse, but we were in an apartment. So we got this big uh, appliance box, and he built us uh, a clubhouse. Here's a picture of it. And this is me (laughs) sticking my head out at Jack and Jason's clubhouse. This had a functioning door. The door opened and closed. It had a functioning mailbox. I could receive mail at my clubhouse. It had a functioning doorbell. He installed a doorbell in case I was in the other room of the clubhouse that I would hear the doorbell and go. And you can't see it here, but there's actually like a little smokestack. Can't burn anything. It's made out of cardboard. But a little smokestack, a little chimney. I mean, he knew how to build a structure for us to play in. Several years later... Jason Cusick tries to give it a try. Let me show you a picture of the clubhouse I built for myself. This is, this is uh, in my backyard. I took advantage of a, of a very old crickety red fence for two of the sides. And I have seen more stable structures along the 110 freeway under the <laughs> underpasses. Um, What I did is I just found as many miscellaneous kinds of things in my garage and then assembled them and stuck them together in whatever way would make sense uh, to me. Uh, Side note, uh, this this structure uh, collapsed shortly after taking this photo. But we got it. We got the picture before it went down. This is how some of us build our faith. Um, Yeah, thanks for taking that down. Um, This is how some of us build our faith. We're like, where do I get my beliefs from? Well, I heard this sermon. 
and I read this devotional, and I saw part of a TikTok video, and then I read about a quarter of an internet article, and then we just kind of start assembling our faith system and belief system from all these different, it's like Frankenstein's monster as we're kind of piecing things together. And that's kind of the challenge, especially in the wealth of information we have nowadays. What, who's the expert that can help us form a faith that will not even collapse in on itself when we face the difficulties of life? And, and can we actually have that expert in our life with us, not just as a consultant, but someone that is living in and through that faith? Great people throughout history, intelligent and great people, start with Jesus. In fact, almost every major religion looks to Jesus as an expert in faith building. And great minds over the centuries have said, if I'm going to start anywhere, I'm going to start with the teachings of Jesus. One of these people that stands out to me is is someone that's uh, mentioned and actually his life is kind of explored a little bit in the pages of the New Testament. His name is Paul. Paul was a first century tent maker by profession, but he was a high-born Roman citizen who was incredibly intelligent and well-trained in both Jewish and Greek philosophy. He had a crisis of faith. He had a religious experience and began deconstructing what he believed And he needed to rebuild his faith on something solid. And we have a great quote of how he describes this happening in his life in the pages of the New Testament. Here's what Paul says. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. It's the teachings of Jesus Christ to let them be the foundation of this faith construction that we're going to do. Here's an action step for you. Make a list of areas in, in, of your life in which you're intentionally keeping the expert away. You know where you're like, oh, I, I, okay, Jesus, I want your help with this area of my life, but, but not this. I don't need your expertise here. I don't want your expertise there. We do it all, and all of us do it in some areas. Let me give you some examples. Like the area of forgiveness. People are like, Jesus, I want your help with having a successful career and relationships, finding that special someone. I'm dealing with some personal stuff in my life. But I don't want to forgive that person that hurt me recently or years ago. I don't want your help with that. Jesus actually said, if you can't forgive others, I can't forgive you. How about this? The whole area of vulnerability. Maybe you're like, I need to be strong. I need to be, Jesus, you can help me in a bunch of other areas, but I can't show my vulnerability to my children or to my employees because I'll lose authority. I'll lose power. And Jesus actually said, you know, if you want to be in charge, you have to become a servant. Or here's another area. 
money. Jesus, you can have all these areas of my life. I will give you my time. I will give you abilities. I'll give you gifts. I'll even invite you in to help me make decisions. But my paycheck is mine. Jesus once said, you can't serve God and money. In fact, Jesus said, if you give generously to God and what God is doing, God will bring that right back to you later. Is there an area of your life that you're intentionally keeping the expert away? I can tell you my area, my life, for over the last several years, as those of you that come here regularly know that I've been dealing with anxiety and worry, and I think that's an area that I kept Jesus out of. Now, I wasn't intentionally like, Jesus, stay out of my feelings and stay out of my struggles with anxiety. I just never really said, Jesus, help me understand anxiety and worry better. It was once I opened up and said, Jesus, help me get a better understanding of this area of my life that I began to see the transformation in how I dealt with my feelings and it affected all of my relationships. If you're at the new building stage or the rebuilding stage, if you are new with us here, I would love to give you a copy of a book that we have available. Uh, It's called Start Here. You can head out to our connections uh, area after the service. I think we, we... we had a lot of them. We ran out last service. So I think there's still some available. But still, uh, you can come back next week. We're going to order some more to have them. But I think there's still some out there. Also, there, we'll give you a copy of my book on anxiety that I wrote that kind of tells you some of the things that I learned and explored if you'd like that. Laying a strong foundation is kind of how we start. And one of those ways is by looking at Jesus, the expert. Here's the second way. Obey the teachings of Jesus. Don't just know them. I didn't, I, I didn't really grow up with faith or religion. I didn't grow up as a person of faith. It was when I was in college that I started thinking about spiritual things a little bit more. And it was very early into my exploring of faith that I learned this principle, and it's helped me throughout my whole life. A strong, lasting, and sustainable life of faith is not about information. It's about transformation. You learn, and then you do. And the spiritual growth that we're looking for, the, tr- the, the life that God wants us to have, is as we move from here to here. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he says when he describes faith like a building. I don't know if you caught that, but look what he says. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Not just anybody who listens to my teachings is wise. No, you have to actually do it. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about this idea of learning by doing. See, there's certain things in life that you really can't even learn until you actually do them. And in our information age, that's kind of the deception that we live in. Like, oh, we consume a lot of information. Wow, now I'm wise. No, now you're very informed. Wisdom happens when you actually apply it. And it might take some time to figure it out. A couple months ago, I was looking for a new pair of shoes, so I went to the um, Skechers outlet over in Gardena, and I walked in, I was like, this is a good pair, I like how this looks, and they have my size, and it's the right price. So I grabbed them, started walking up to the front, and I was like, wait a minute, I should put these on. And I put them on, they were terrible. I was like, these, these are the worst shoes, I don't want these at all. So I put them back, I grabbed another pair, and I, was, I put them on, and I was like, okay, these are better. And I thought, you know what, I should walk around. 
So I stayed for a while and I walked around in those shoes to say, is this working? Does this make sense? And after I felt like I had done it enough, I was like, now I'm in. The teachings of Jesus are the same way. It's not about saying, that's a good idea, I agree. It's, that's a good idea, I'm going to start doing it, and even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to keep doing it so that I can have that breakthrough in my life that I need. That's what Jesus is intending. In fact, here's a quote from a a famous literary critic named G.K. Chesterton as he talks about this. He says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Jesus, great idea. I'm not going to do it. Or, wow, these are great teachings. I tried that for a little while and it didn't work. Faith is something we continue in. One author called it a long obedience in the same direction. We kind of keep going, but it involves actually doing it. There's a great quote from one of the songs in the Bible. The great songbook of the Bible is called the Psalms. And there's this great lyric of one of the songs that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see. It's an invitation to sample obedience. Try it out. Here's an action step for you. Taste and see by practicing one of Jesus' instructions that runs counter to your plan. This is if you're a person of faith. Maybe you're not even a person of faith. Maybe you're like, I'm here just, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff. Try it out. Put it on and walk around for a little while. In fact, let me give you some ideas of what this could look like. Choose gentleness over anger. Jesus teaches instead of retaliating against that person that hurt you, try being kind. Try being generous. Here's another one. Community versus individualism. Maybe if somebody's struggling with something and they're feeling attacked, why don't you stand up for that person rather than standing away? We live in a culture where when we see something bad going on, we pull out our phone and we tape it. You know, we're like, record what's happening to that person. No, get in there. Be involved with them. Here's another one. Practice goodness and don't post about it. Jesus has this really interesting perspective when he talks about spiritual disciplines. He said, pray, and if you have a a discipline, a personal discipline of fasting, which is about self-sacrifice in order to focus on God, or financial generosity, he said, do those things and don't draw attention to yourself. And, and, And Jesus says, when you do that, God rewards you. But if you do something good and you draw attention to it, that's your reward. Jesus' approach to living out his teachings, is it, it often runs contrary to what we think. In fact, these are examples from this section that I mentioned earlier, the Sermon on the Mount. So the first book of the New Testament, this is the one you take out your phone and take a picture of if you need the reference. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. So Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, chapters 5 through 7. And this is what I'd like you to read this week. I read this section of the Bible about four times a year. It is the basic teachings about what Jesus says the spiritual life is about. And this is the section after he goes through this that he ends by saying, by the way, if you learn these things and actually do them, 
your house is going to hold up. Let me give you one more, uh, one more way that we can lay a, a foundation that's going to be strong and lasting, and it's this. Deconstruct unbiblical thinking with wisdom before it needs to be removed. Remember my roof? Uh, it, it was actually deconstructing on itself, and I didn't even know it, right? What it needed to be done is it needed to be taken apart. And we didn't just blow up the roof, you know? We had to think which parts are not working and why are they not working and how do I remove those things without destroying the structure that's needed for other parts of the roof. It involves some some wisdom to systematically remove the bad parts so as not to destroy the integrity of the whole. And that's what deconstruction of faith is all about. Now, that, let me just share a little bit about that word, deconstruction. That, that word's used quite a bit nowadays, and sometimes it refers to people that they just hit a wall in their faith. Maybe you've gone through this. I've had times in my life where I've gone through this. You, you hit a wall or you, you have a storm in your life, and you go, my faith's not working anymore. What I used to believe isn't working anymore. Or you read something or hear something and go, I don't even think I believe that anymore. And some people are really afraid of that. Oh, don't talk about deconstruction of faith. That's terrible. That, that's going to cause people to lose their faith completely. I don't think that at all. Actually, not only do I think deconstruction of faith is a normal and natural part of the spiritual life, Jesus actually encouraged it. In this section that you're going to read this week, Matthew 5 through 7, you're going to read Jesus repeating a phrase quite a bit. Here it is. You have heard it said, but I tell you. What Jesus is saying, you know, somebody taught you this, but actually that's not wrong. Here, here, that's wrong. Here's what I want you to understand. Or someone taught you this, and you thought it meant this, but Jesus is saying actually it means this. And most of the time when Jesus is reconstructing a faith after it's deconstructed, it's a little bit more challenging, a little bit more personal. And this happens all the time. In fact, in the history of Christianity, for our situation here in in particular, the history of Christianity over the last 2,000 years, there have been regular times where entire churches and entire movements had to kind of deconstruct and reconstruct. It usually happens when religious people commingle their political beliefs in a way that actually don't line up with the teachings of Jesus, or... They have certain religious traditions, where it's like, this is our tradition, and then they look back at the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus is like, those are my traditions, you don't, I, I don't require you for that. Or some of our cultural upbringing, that we think that's necessary to a life with Jesus, and it's like, no, that's our culture, that might be okay. Some of it might run contrary to Jesus' teaching. Sometimes it's our personal preferences. Well, this is what I really love, and then we try to get Jesus to believe those things, or our personal desires, hey, this is what I'm really longing for. This is how I want to live. And then we actually go look back at what Jesus said. Oh, I'm not supposed to live that way? I'm not supposed to do that? Now, as I'm saying that, some of you are like, I know some people in my life that that applies to. Um, let's look at ourselves for a moment because we all do this. And I, rather than using the word deconstruction of faith, I use 
the religious word that Christians have used for 2,000 years, and it's this word, Reformation. In fact, there's a Latin phrase, semper reformata, always reforming. The idea is followers of Jesus are always looking at their lives and saying, hmm, how am I living now? What do I believe? What am I practicing? And does it line up with Jesus? So we're constantly going back to the teachings of Jesus to make those changes. Here's an action step for you. One more. Write out your journey of faith so far and look for poor materials or craftsmanship or substitutions in your past. Maybe it's an attitude change. Maybe you're like, you know, I just haven't really been humble. I haven't been open to Jesus helping me. Maybe it's behavior. It's like, well, I, I, I do this, but there are areas of my life where I'm like, I, I need to change these areas of my life. I'm not actually following through with what Jesus said to do. Some of us grew up in toxic homes where we had a lot of blame and shame. And maybe you still have these tapes going on in your mind saying, I'm worthless, I caused my parents' divorce, I'm no good, never trust anyone. And Jesus is like, that doesn't line up with my teaching. Or maybe you were raised in the opposite house where you are God's favorite. And anything you want to do is fine. In fact, there is no truth. And whatever you want to do and whatever you're excited about, God's thrilled with that. Maybe you're on the other side. There might even be some core beliefs that you have about God, about the world, about the Bible, about Jesus, about other people, that when you dip into Jesus' teachings, you go, oh, Jesus, that's not actually what Jesus teaches. I might have a, a belief that's actually different than that. A life of faith starts with that strong foundation. Let me just remind us of what we looked at today. We can lay a strong foundation for faith these three ways. Humbly trust the expert, Jesus, not yourself. Let's get back in, let's read that Sermon on the Mount and actually say, let's see what Jesus has to say and let me see how I can actually just start doing some of that stuff, actually following through. And then I'm going to run into some times where I'm going to like, oh, I need to rethink this a little bit. Maybe I need to deconstruct. Maybe I was taught some wrong things or had some unhealthy examples in my life. And maybe I need to change some of that stuff up. When we do that, when we lay that solid foundation, it doesn't prevent intemperate weather from coming. All right? Southern Californians, we are always shocked by weather. Right? It rains. and Well, I had no idea that... Liquid from the sky is possible, you know? Like, like we're always shocked by intemperate weather. Um, when we lay a firm foundation for our faith, it doesn't prevent the storms from coming. It allows us to have a faith that is solid but also breathable, where ventilation is allowed so that we can handle the storms of life. Jesus says, you build your life on my teachings and you follow through And he says, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on the rock. That's what we're talking about here. And the way we start, let's just start with Jesus. And then we'll build from there. Now, some of you are like, I got that. But I got a bunch of questions. 
I've got questions about Jesus. I've got questions about the Bible. I've got questions about God and church and religion and how to live my life and what God thinks about different things. What do I do with all of these questions? That's what we're going to talk about next week. So come back next week and we'll get into that. Let's all stand. We're going to close our service today. Hey, again, if you're new with us, if there's something on your heart, something on your mind you'd like someone to pray with, we're going to have our prayer volunteers over here at the cross here and at Torrance. If you'd like to check in with our connections area, get some information about us. Thank you so much for being here this week. Let me close this in prayer, and then we'll see you next week. God, thank you that we don't have to do the spiritual life on our own. In fact, not only do we not have to, but you say, please don't. Thank you that you want to help us and guide us to have a life of faith that can weather the storms. God, we know the storms are coming. Some of us are in it right now. Help us through this series as we get closer and closer to you so that we can have that firm faith. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great week.